0: I really was hoping Michael Rooker, when I saw him in the cast list, oh, was man. one of the replacement killers. That's what I had hoped. That's
1: what he needed to be. Because yeah, I, I want him as a villain. I never really want him as true blue, kind of loyal hero casting. No.
2: While you bring this up, Arthur, I think we should discuss weird title for the movie because Mira Sorvino and Chow yun Fat, not the replacement killers. <laughs> They're not, not at all. They're no. not. They're no. the
0: first line. Well, Chow yun Fat's John Lee is the. Uh, at first, Dream killer. First Dream yeah. killer, right? He's yeah,
2: not, he's not the backup. Yeah, it's it's Trejo and Schweiger.
1: Yeah, they show
2: up. Yeah, they're Just the replacement killer. Final minutes <laughs> of the second act, inconsequentially. <laughs> but man, aren't they cool though? And that's
0: when Dalton pointed at the screen and said, "Those." Are the replacement killers (laughs) You're
1: you're damn right I did (laughs) Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor cast We gather around a table, we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course This week's film is uh, Antoine Fuqua's The Replacement Killer Starring one Chow Yun-Fat and one Mira Sorvino And also additionally one Danny Trejo and a Michael Rooker To uh, make it a full and a Schweiger,
2: you know, don't forget him. You know, he was an inglorious bastard.
1: Yes, he was. Um, and he's in this movie. Was later. So, uh, we're we're doing a new marathon. We did an anti-trash marathon back in January, in which we uh, did crime films of an anti-trash sort. Um, now we're going into Asian action crime thrillers that are good trash in America. In America, American with Asian cast members.
2: Yeah, I don't know what we're going to
1: call it. Some of them might be Asian
2: American. Arthur hasn't told us what movies we're doing yet. So they might just be... Asian actors working in the states It could be, but crime My- Mysteries abound, crime
1: but, but 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 crime
2: What kinds of crime, Dustin? We're going to take a bite out of it Oh, we are? Mm-hmm. Thought crimes Only thought crimes
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, I think they do real crime in this movie <laughs> What? I think a real crime happens <laughs> Thought crimes aren't real crimes? No I'm, I'm totally confused um, I'm still Dustin I'm still Arthur I'm still Dalton And in case you're tuning in to this show for the very first time This is an analysis show, not a review show And that means we are going to spoil the movie Which is a 90s action flick of middle grade, so you probably know how it's going to go anyway once you see the first five minutes. However, we're not going to tell you that in the first five minutes of this show, nor the first 15, nor the first 20. This is how it's going to look. We're going to do a synopsis, which will be spoiler-free. Then we'll move on to Thumbs Up, Thumbs Down Reviews, which will be a short part of the show in which we just talk about whether or not the movie hits. Then we move on to a section of the show we like to call... Expanding the Syllabus, in which we might spoil this film or other films of its ilk. My syllabus is not spoilerific, but my co-host may be. And then we move on to the business for which we have gathered. That is right. It'll be analysis time. There'll be music to say we have been, we have been, we have, we have become those who are down to business. We have become business savvy. <laughs> we have become business savvy. We have become the Socks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the business happens. Okay, enough said. Arthur, you got a synopsis to delight us with? Uh, do I? Yeah. Um. Yes, I did. <laughs> Excellent. After failing to complete
0: a hit for a local triad juggler named Terrence Wei, uh, John Lee attempts to go on the lamb back to China to protect his own family. The only thing standing in his way are the replacement killers hired by Wei to get revenge.
1: There's no getting back to China in this movie, which is too bad. He tries. He tries. He tries his best. When Yes, um, I almost said a spoiler thing, and I will not do that. Just after I did a whole thing about how I'm not going to spoil it right now. Don't
2: spoil this thirty-year-old movie, twenty-five-year-old uh, movie. God, nearly thirty years old. Though I mean, yes, twenty-five. But this movie with up decades
1: on it. On it. Um, yet I am not that going to spoil. Nobody it. Nobody saw. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Um, thus and therefore, we now go round the table. Um, Are we all first-time watchers? I saw it. Uh, you saw time- it where? I think I saw it in the theater. You were the one. I, that makes sense. I, mean, I think it was Carnegie, Oklahoma, and it was Friday. $19
2: million worth of people worldwide saw this movie in theaters. So Dustin was
1: one of them. And I had... Well, no, I didn't pay because I that was we free. There. <laughs> free box office.
2: <laughs> Great. All right. Well, Dustin was there.
0: <laughs> at, at what rate. was it like in the moment seeing The Replacement Killers? It was fine,
1: <laughs> I think. I think I thought Mira Sorvino was pretty.
2: Um, He's I th- doing this movie a great disservice, and I'll explain why later.
1: <laughs> okay. I have thoughts. Well, it's not a you good. You're do some I, heavy I lifting.
2: I've got, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm prepared. I'm, I don't know why you word on the world that Mira Sorvino was
1: yeah. pretty. I'm Noelle, and of course Mira. When well, you said, pretty. I'm doing the movie disservice. I think that's one of the greatest services of the film. Is I, well, Mira Sorvino and her I performance. Mean, it is a
2: great Mira Sorvino performance. There's not very many of those. No. But no. Arthur's right. I am standing under the squat rack, prepared to lift up this <laughs> movie
1: as best I can. Okay, well, before The Flash once begins, um, I'll go to you, Arthur, and uh, see what happens uh, when you say what you think about how this film hits.
0: Um, The Replacement Killers is a movie that takes place over the course of 90 minutes or so.
1: (laughs) awkward. It's a movie.
0: Pause. (laughs) Um, It features a performance from Chao Yun-Fat and Mara Servino in leading roles. Um, (laughs) It is very forgettable. Uh, cinema from 1998 uh, is what I would argue. Um, it's fine, I think, is where I landed with it. Uh, you know, I came in at about two and a half stars out of five on this. Um, I think there's some cool ideas. I think that I really like um, – probably Marissa Vena is, like, the MVP of this movie. I, I, I think Chai and Fat's good. He's just kind of a stoic hero. You know, there's not a lot going on there.
2: He's I mean, not he's, as interesting as he is in Hong Kong stuff. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, he's a, a solid hitman, I'd say. I, I really do think Maria Savina just absolutely kills it in this, in this role. Um, and, and that's kind of the uh, thing I dug the most about it. Uh, I, I It feels just about the movie lacks character. It's Fuqua kind of doing John Woo, uh, but not really... I think in an effective or engaging way. Uh, I think we see a lot of those kind of hallmarks, a lot of the slow motion um, and not to great effect. I don't think here Uh, again, Michael Rooker's here, but I really did hope he would show up as a villain. Um, Danny Trejo is great. And the other replacement killer, Till
2: Schweiger. Yeah. I forget uh, what I know him from, but he's just been with me for as long as I can remember. That's very funny. Yeah.
0: Um, And they just kind of, you know, again, kind of show up inconsequentially for being the titular uh, bad guys. Uh, they don't really get to do a lot. The arcade thing's kind of fun. Uh, there are a couple of fun moments uh, where they have to go get some guns, things like that. Uh, but otherwise, I, I just don't know that it has a lot going for it. I think you can see some signs of, of strength from Fuqua's action direction uh, from here. But overall, I, I think just the the screenplay was in a first draft, and it could have used a couple more drafts, a few revisions, and just some kind of personality to... To beef it up and maybe Fuqua can make make it his own, you know, in in a way that doesn't feel like he's just playing the hits of another director or or aping another director. Uh, So that's where I'm at. Kind of uh, blase on this one. So uh, unfortunately for the Replacement Killers and for starting this marathon.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Arthur. Dalton, do you have your feet appropriately placed so as not to um, injure yourself? Do you yourself? have your
0: belt on? Your weightlifting I belt? Got Bel- I've got, got the belt? belt
1: on. My hands are chalked. Oh, yeah, my
0: knees
2: are not going to go over my toes. Macho man Randy Savage pays attention. Look, I can't disagree with anything Arthur has said. It's, <laughs> it's all pretty much accurate. It, it is, you know, it's Fuqua's first feature film uh, after doing bu- literal buckets and buckets of music videos. So he's, he's ready to break into film. And he's talked, you know, there's interviews out there, you can see, you know, pull quotes from him talking about this being an exercise and working with the studio and, and starting to understand how that studio filmmaking process works and just mm-hmm. not having the full control that he would have liked to have had. And yeah. you can definitely see that it, it feels like a chop to pieces movie. It feels like a, we got to get this under 90. Um, and, and Arthur, I think you're so right to say that he he definitely... He has he's studied the John Woo filmography. He's he definitely you know, the, the camera in this film feels like Fukua's working from that that, you know, um hard boiled uh the killer template. You know, he he's City at least aware. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. aware of what John Woo and Chao have done together. Mm. And and I think this film is really interesting in in its place in late 90s American action cinema as sort of a herald of things to come, right? This is pre The Matrix, pre Crouching Tiger, pre John Wick, all of these things that like become hallmarks of American action cinema that are very much inflected by Hong Kong action cinema. This kind of feels like a, not necessarily Rosetta Stone, but definitely like an early standard bearer. Now again, it's kind of a weak film. There's not a lot of meat on the bone here. But there's there are things that are competent. Now you know Fuquan knows he's got a movie star. He knows to shoot Chai. In fact, give him those those big glorious hero angles, shooting him really low from the moment we we get started. The the action you know is chopped up a little bit. You know, you've, there's moments where you're like, ooh, it feels like there's probably like some some beats from this action set piece on the cutting room floor. But you know, there's some cool stuff. The I think the car wash shootout is very effective. I think that's kind of interesting um I, there, there are more than a few uh, again the arcade you bring up i think the movie theater is also mm-hmm. effective i think a lot of that that final stretch of the movie is is mostly works but yeah it's kind of it's kind of flat you know it, it lacks personality servino and, and fat are like good together they're they're mostly working i like that the movie doesn't try to like make that be there be like romantic or sexual tension there it's just two people working together and i think that is the right call for this film to make but it definitely feels like it's it's lacking jokes or it's lacking more visual flair you know and it, it makes you wonder like what does fuqua do with more budget more control is this a more successful first feature but as it stands it, it is you know a, an interesting experiment in bringing an international action star to the states because this is also chai and fat's first big american role and so from that you know, that frame of reference, it is like, it's interesting, if, if only as a historical artifact. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely agree with you. I think this leaves a lot to be desired. I, a three out of five for me, you know, I'm a little warmer on it than you are. I think it's a fun watch. It's short, mercifully. It is. Uh, and again, servino's great. There are not a lot of good Mira Servino performances. She just didn't work a whole lot before, you know, her career kind of fizzled out. And, and yeah. she seemed to be more interested in other things. It's hard, It's always hard to tell, especially... For actors of that gener, female actors of that generation, like yeah. you know, there's just so much like not getting cast once you hit 35. So it's it's hard to tell how mm-hmm. much of that is a disinterest with the industry or the in- industry being disinterested in her. Well, but she's like, also talked a lot about Weinstein and his impact on her career, yeah, possible impact true. on her career as yeah. well. Yeah, I'd forgotten about so. that. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: But yeah, I mean, this and Romy Michelle kind of kind of a what if of you know what could she have done? You know, and I think that's for really sure. interesting.
2: And she come to so a Mimic close. as well, isn't she? I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. yeah. Right after this, yeah. Uh, well, fun fact, she's actually shooting this at the same time as she's doing ADR for Mimic. This is a fun all right, I didn't know we would get to this story. Wild. So she comes to set from doing a bunch of screaming for Mimic. I think it was ADR screaming, but anyway, her voice was like blown out. Mm. And Fuqua goes, You sound great. You should just do that. So for the rest of the, the shoot, she was like blowing her voice out Oof. so she could sound a little husky or a little raspier. Mm. And it, she said it took like months of like up to a year for her voice to like fully bounce back because wow. she was just like every day blowing Sacrifice her voice the out. Sacrifice the body. What a champ. What, yeah. a, what a pro. Yeah. Cool stuff. Just knocking out vocal
0: performances left yeah. and right between this and Romeo and Michelle.
2: Seriously. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, she had fun on this, though. I, it sounds like everybody involved was like more or less had. Positive things yeah. to say about it. Other again, other than Fuqua kind of wishing the studio hadn't fought him so much. Uh, but you know, it seems like people were happy with the movie they made. So, and I'm, I, I good for them. I say I'm mm-hmm. happy with it. It's a competently made action film. It is not going to light your world on fire. It is not a forgotten gem. It is not one of like the best action movies of the '90s. But it is a really interesting one. If if not for you know necessarily what happens on screen, if if for like where it stands. In the rest of of sort of the action movie canon, uh, Dustin, you've you've seen this before. This is I a have. revisit for you.
1: And, and, and yeah, and I would say it's what you guys are saying is is kind of the same place I'm at. I, again, I'm about like a half star cooler than you are, I think. But it's, I think it is the John Woo. Via Antoine Fuqua, which is fine. I, I think filmmakers do that. Uh, yeah. Brian De Palma mm-hmm. makes his Hitchcock movies. Oh, yeah. Right? I, like, yeah. There's, there's... <laughs> a bunch of people have Brian De Palma movies. Uh, exactly, yeah. and there's and there's nothing and... wrong with that. It's, I I think it's the John Woo film that he's making is all the action pieces. The, all the star pieces are there without the narrative connective tissue that's mm-hmm. necessary. And, and I guess his leanness at 87 minutes is part partly to blame for this, but probably because it's, just, it's not all that interesting of a precept. It, Killer decides, I'm not going to do this one because ethics and, and, you know, we're going to send baddies after you. That's it. It's that, very straightforward. Is all there's, there's just not enough there, there for there to be a, a, an additional piece of interest. I do think Cha Yun Fat and Sorvina have chemistry, and I I know that there's no screenplay written bits of romantic tension there, but I think they have romantic tension on screen all the time. I, I think all the time they're they're a hair's breadth away from a kiss. Really, and and I'm, I, there were a couple moments where I was thinking that too.
2: And they I, work together. I, I guess I maybe okay. I could see it. You're right though that it's not in the screenplay, but I, I guess I could see them like having heat.
1: Yeah, they, they really do. They just uh, they have chemistry and it works and that will they won't they I think is mm-hmm. an interesting piece and I that's not the thing I'd want to finagle with if I was wanting to add some more heft to the movie mm-hmm. cuz what the movie needs I mean, again, it's got all the weight and all the characters. What it needs is just that high-concept, silly bit, the, well, John Travolta's wearing Nick Cage's face bit. <laughs> it needs uh, John Travolta has stolen the nuclear weapons bit. It's it, it, it's just lacking that one little piece of whatever John Woo will end up doing with some of his later filmography in the States that this movie just has action piece after action piece. in 14- Actually has
2: already done. Broken Arrow, face off. These have already come out by they, the time uh, Replacement Killers hits. Oh,
1: you know what they have, yeah. And so I, I don't know yeah. why they missed that piece then, because this—that's a lot of what makes those movies work. But for some reason, there's, go ahead. Well, as like you said, there is also a
0: way in where you make John Lee a much more complex, dangerous character early, mm-hmm. because we don't—we think he's not killing. Spoiler alert: uh, we think he's not taking a shot on Michael Rooker. He's actually not taking a shot on Rooker's kid. Yeah. Right. And that mystery is resolved later. But he's already, already set up kind of as a good guy to begin with. So I think if there's a way we have like 10 minutes beginning, we make him a little badder. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's doing very questionable, ethical things so that when he doesn't pull the trigger, we're like, what, what stopped him? Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a little more bite, I think, into that tension as well.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't know. It's just the sort of thing that these movies tend to need is the, the sort of time clock kind of thing there is a sense in which we know how long he's got to get some stuff taken care of before they figure out where his family has been relocated to in in China and so there's a little bit of that sort of countdown, but it doesn't really ever quite have the payoff. We need more of the family. We need more of something mm. along mm. those lines for it to work. And so that's that's really the the, the sort of small component that the movie needs, because otherwise the action sequences work and uh, the cast of characters they all work. Uh, Jurgen Ponchow, Prenchow, whatever, great villain, great mm. heavy, uh, and a great face for mm. this kind of stuff. I mean, they've got the perfect sort of you know setup for something to work. It's just. There just needs to be a little more story and more jokes. Jokes is always helpful in these kinds sure, of movies, sure. and uh, that's that's what it ends up lacking. But otherwise, uh, as as Dalton said, a, a very very well made action movie. It's just, it lacks the thrills, it lacks the emotional investment, it lacks the participata- the participation of the viewer in what's going on, because I totally understand exactly everything that's going on, and there's really no, even when they reveal the one little bit about who the actual shots to mm-hmm. be taken at, that doesn't really change much. It's no. still a bad thing to shoot a, you know, a guy in front of his kid, instead of shooting the kid in front of the guy. So, I mean, you know, there's a moral, you know, uh, greater magnitude of one to the other, but both are pretty awful, and so... I, I'm not invested, if that makes sense Sure, anymore. I think he's
2: really good in that scene, actually. Yeah. I think Fat is, like, really Red-eyed compelling. And, yeah, yeah. when he decides not to do it, love him in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm with you, like, it lacks, barring all the other stuff you've mentioned that it could have, it lacks the action chops to, like, the, the, the sort of... F- Truly, balletic levels of carnage that we mm. get in something like hard
1: bloodshed. Yeah, kind of the, the stuff, stuff that John Woo would do. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's just like it's not quite that over the top. It's not quite that. It doesn't have that much flash. It doesn't right. have that much personality.
1: And more flash might have been enough if yeah. it had more. If it, had, if it yeah. had the same story, it has. It either have more flash or more story. One or the yeah. other, or oath yeah. which would be awesome but yeah. sure
2: sure yeah i just mean yeah barring the stuff that you said we we could have like we could have had like even but
1: again first
2: feature film like the expectations are mm-hmm. low for me
1: yeah so there you go to your listener, those are our thoughts which are generally fine uh towards the replacement killers too it's kind of good if you're dalton and there you go that's where we stand on this we're going to move on to the next part of our show which is called expanding the syllabus and Arthur is going to tell you what that's all about
0: Expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment where we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts. That could be anything from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories.
1: Correct. That is exactly what that is. Um, do you have a syllabus ready, my friend? I do. Uh,
0: you know, we often talk about uh, the year 1999 in film uh, and, and its kind of high peak uh Output, uh, But I think 1998 is a really interesting year, too. And I think that's what I would kind of want to look at. Because, again, we have, you know, Fuqua doing his big feature thing here. uh Chai Yun-Fat kind of doing a big uh, English language thing here. Uh, and I think there's just a run of really interesting things going on in 98 that really is kind of... And, and probably even starting in 97 if we look back and, and kind of get into that. Uh, that really leads us to 99. And so I think I would want to look at some movies from 98... And talk about those and see what's going on there and maybe look for trends or uh, just anything that kind of sticks out. And so uh, starting with some strong action, uh, we're talking Armageddon. We're talking Deep Impact. We're talking Enemy of the State. uh, We're talking Small Soldiers. We got Blade, who kind of, I mean, singularly refocuses Hollywood to think about comics again in a serious way, which plants the seeds for eventually spidey x-men in the mcu and so i i think there's just some really interesting things going on uh, again michael bay kind of at the height of his powers here in 98 uh um tony scott doing a lot of stuff working with will smith here uh kind of collaborating and two kind of mega powers uh, in action uh film working together i think there's some really interesting swings as well uh the truman show sure. is in 98 a, a big high concept philosophical comedy uh which sort of shifts the way we look at uh jim carrey Uh, we got psycho from gus van sant and his uh, odd experiment to shot for shot remake hitchcock's classic uh we have what dreams may come a very existential high concept surreal uh life after death tragic comedy with uh, robin williams grippling with death then Uh, What may be out there Uh, And then Terry Gilliam and uh, Fear and Loathing In Las Vegas Uh, Another big Kind of Surreal swing From Gilliam uh, With uh, Depp and I can't remember Who else is in Uh, Benicio Yeah Benicio del Toro Right And and Just a very uh, Oddball type of movie From Gilliam As he continues to try And make his mark As a filmmaker Doing Outside the box things Um, But we also had Some fun genre stuff So Uh, Speaking of uh, De Palma We had Snake Eyes With Nicolas Cage um, This very taut Hitchcockian thriller Mm -hmm. uh, Which is a lot of fun We had Dark City From Alexander Proyas Yeah uh, Which pairs really Interestingly with uh, The Truman Show This high philosophical uh, Film that takes place Kind of also I think Foreshadowing a little bit The Matrix And what's going to come there uh we have rounders with Ed Norton and Matt Damon. Uh we have Out of Sight with two movie stars just smoking with chemistry. Whew. Uh we Whew. have Denzel. Uh he's got a few that year. Uh he's got he got game, but he also does Fallen, uh which right is a lot on. of fun here on this show. Big fans and big supporters of Fallen here at the Good Trash Honor Cast.
2: He got game and Fallen in ninety eight. God, Denzel. Just always a, be watching Denzel. Always, always be watching Denzel. What
0: a hitter. You don't know what kind of move he's going to make. No. Nope. Uh, and then we also got the, uh, the the eternal classic You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan kind of putting a cap on their relationship and their working relationship as far as mm-hmm. that 90s period of rom-coms goes. Uh, kind of putting a cap, I think, on quality rom-coms for a while as well. Um, Correct. A couple here and there, but that's really got the... I think teeter point. So I think it's a really interesting thing to kind of look back at 90. And this is just scraping the surface. I mean, yeah, you go much more in depth on a number of genres, styles, directors, but just kind of scratching the surface. There's already a lot of really interesting ideas floating around in, you know, the America's mind in the late nineties before we even get to 99, which feels like a big culmination of these existential questions about, capitalist ideas and Americana and who we are as a country and a nation and what that looks like, big picture. And I think 98 is already kind of setting that up to really begin exploring those questions much more in depth in 99 and in 2000. Uh, And and then, you know, we get the rug pull in 2001, which kind of recalibrates everything. Um, And I think we're finally getting to a point now in 23, where we're starting to kind of get back into some of those, more reflexive types of ideas and questions in film in a lot of the same way that we were in 1998,
2: 1999.
1: Very good, very good. Thank you for that, Arthur. Did you have a comment? No, I'm just fascinated by 98 as, you
2: know, again, as Arthur kind of teed it up, 99 is sort of, I mean, there's a book called Best Movie Year Ever, right? Like mm-hmm. in 98 is sort of the interesting little brother that's or kind of been forgotten. The, the prologue, right? Warm yeah. up. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an exhibition game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, totally. that's a cool way to think about it. All right, Dalton, do you have a syllabus prepared for The Replacement Killers?
2: Yeah, I've got two pretty thin ones, so you're getting two for the price of one this week. Uh, the whole time I was watching Replacement Killers, I couldn't stop to think, man, there are a lot of movies, especially in this era, but really in all movies of all time, a lot of movies where an assassin is the lead character, where the main job is hit person, or hired gun. And I was just thinking about movie jobs. Hit person. person. Well, again, you know, you got uh, hit how ladies.
1: 21st century of you. You're
2: goddamn right. Uh, <laughs> it's just interesting to me. Like, I was trying to think of other movie jobs that feel... I mean, look. Do people get paid money to kill other people in the real world? Sure. I do it for fun. I'm, you can do it for whatever are reason. are they Chow Yun-Fat? Exactly. Are they John Wick? Are they Chow Yun-Fat? Are they... Uh... Angelina Jolie. I mean, you pick pick whoever. Yeah. Are are they uh, Jean Renault, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They probably closely look more like Jean note than the others. That's fair. Jean <laughs> note does kind of look more like a regular dude. But my, my point is, it is sort of an interesting movie gig. Uh, I also think of architect. I don't meet a lot of architects in my daily life, but I feel like lots of movie people are architects. Uh, broadcast journalists—that's mm. another movie and TV job. So I was just thinking, like, wouldn't it be fun? I, I do like a, a module on assassins and a larger course on like movie occupations. Mm-hmm. Just just sort of. And again, I I, I didn't uh, pull a lot of research for this. It was just sort of a kind of fleeting idea but I, I i do think there's a plenty of movie jobs that like get recycled a lot you brought up you got mail i think bookstore owner hmm. that's a, a deep well they pull from author yeah, author of course yeah, writers of any kind yeah, yeah. yes you, you get your sports writers your journalists yeah all all sorts of writers because of course, well, a screenplay well, writer loves to write, write about, about a writer. About writers, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. The other idea was just, of course, very simple, but I think very worthwhile, of course, on Anton Fuqua, uh, mm. an exceptionally prolific music video director before he even makes The Replacement Killers. But again, maybe, I don't, you know, you kind of, it's easy to forget, like, just how many action movies of, of you know, mixed quality, but like just how many hits he's got. uh I, The last decade alone, you know, he's got Olympus has fallen two equalizer movies, uh, the Magnificent seven remake. And that's just like last decade. He's also got infinite, which is sort of interesting for going straight to streaming reasons uh, from this last decade. But, you know, of course, in the aughts, he's got my beloved training day. He's got shooter with Mark Wahlberg. He's got the King Arthur movie where they they tried to make a King Arthur movie about like, hey, what if we did one? Wow. It was about the Romans. Yeah and how King Arthur was about was you know in Roman times what what if it wasn't magic what if it was history. I don't know. That's an interesting movie nobody remembers. (laughs) Tears of the Sun with Bruce Willis. Anybody remember that one? I remember that it happened. I don't think I saw it. Just a movie about special operators because in the early aughts you could make, if you wanted to make a movie about special operators, you did not need a true story. You could just make one. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a movie just called Navy Seals from the 90s. I don't know if anybody remembers this one. I recall it. I thought you might. So I I just think Fuqua's got an interesting career. I didn't see it. You didn't see it? I had a friend who was in love with it. Uh Charlie Sheen's in that one, I think. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's kind of a Brat Pack kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's Brat Pack adjacent for yeah, sure. Yeah. I remember they call the sniper God, which is kind of funny.
1: Right. Yeah. I did see it. You did see Gosh, it. Gosh, I did Anyway. So that's Tears I of the Sun. Tears of that. the Sun
2: is definitely <sighs> Navy SEALs adjacent for sure. Uh God, Tears of the Sun's a weird movie. But I think Fuca's got a weird filmography. It there's you know, it is sort of Mostly action movies, mm-hmm. with some variants. You know, he's got Southpaw in there, a boxing drama. He's got Bait in there, which I haven't seen, but I don't think is an action movie. I think that's more of like a, a, a thriller of some sort. But I, I just think he's got a really interesting career as sort of undervalued filmmaker, uh, considering like the Caliber of talent. He's consistent. I mean, he's worked with Denzel a ton. He's worked with Marky Mark a ton, which obviously I think there's a disparity in talent between Denzel and Marky Mark, but they are both big names. And I think that alone makes makes Fuqua's career interesting. I didn't realize he did Emancipation. Oh God, that just came out. That's right. I forgot. Oh wow. yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I think just thinking about like where he's at right now in his career, two streaming directed streaming, but big swing directed streaming movies infinite and emancipation in and the guilty the guilty i don't know about the guilty
0: jay Hall, it's a remake of the swedish german i don't know about this huh yeah, he's another... like a he's like a it's a danish film remake but he's a okay. uh like an emergency call operator oh and he's, yeah I, think, I do remember this a, yeah, yeah yeah
2: that was for a streaming service Yeah, netflix no kidding mm-hmm. wow so there you go so he has sort of at, entered an interesting phase of his career and i think that alone you know he's he's been a big filmmaker for about 25 30 years now so mm-hmm. uh, kind of examining where his career is that kind of tells you a lot about his generation his class of filmmaker and you know what kind of movies they're having to make at this point and the sort of the uncertain times that we're in with with uh, american film distribution and, and production dustin how on earth would you manage to teach the replacement killers in an academic setting?
1: So I think when I get the opportunity to teach my dream martial arts cinema course, or Hong Kong cinema course, which will be martial arts cinema, uh, when I get the chance to do that, I think I would do a section on stars and star personas, and of course, Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan get their own time for all of that. Mm -hmm. But I thought I might do a little section or a little module within that course in which I would talk about these Asian stars moving to America. I'm
2: so glad I did. I thought about this, and I wondered if you would, right?
1: Cause... So Xiaoyuan Fat, this is his first mm-hmm. sort of major American feature. Uh, and and look at a couple of those examples of that. You know, we don't really have one with Bruce Lee, because Warner Brothers is a co-producer on uh, Enter the Dragon, mm-hmm. and so it's a weird kind of thing, because it's mostly a Golden Harvest film that just sort of getting distribution from Warner Brothers, but really a, a true kind of, we are doing this thing together, the money's there, and it's all kind of planned from the outset, although Robert Klaus is a Warner Brothers director uh, when he comes in. So I, I was thinking about Rumble in the Bronx from 1990, with uh, Jackie Chan, mm-hmm. uh, and looking at that film, that's sort of his big American mm-hmm. breakout there. Uh, this film with Chow Yun-fat. And then finally, I think we would take a look at Jet Li's first major American performance, which is as a villain in Lethal Weapon 4. Well,
2: you know, you've also got uh, Michelle Yeoh as a Bond girl Oh, in, um, in Tomorrow
1: Never Dies. Tomorrow, I don't no, know.
2: that's the, ne- the one after that.
1: It's one of the Brosnan... It's the day after tomorrow.
2: It's the second Brosnan one, whatever that's called. It's Goldeneye and then... Whatever that movie's called. And one Life
0: that's... to Die. Die Another Day is the last one. Yeah, I will Tomorrow get on it. Never Die is the one with Denise Richards.
2: Okay, so it's the one before that. But wait, no, maybe it's... I'm going to get on this. But, I, Dustin, I, I, you continue. know how
1: James Bond subtitles sound like? Soap opera titles, The Days of Our Lives, Young and the Restless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I just want to point die that out. Die Another Day. Die Another Day. Yeah, One Life to Live. That, anyway, there's... But yeah, Michelle Yeoh would be a good example there. Um, and you might even think about uh, Cynthia Rothrock, who is an American actress who really made her bones in Hong Kong and her appearances here in the States. And so you might think about other ways in which those transnational flows go both ways uh, there for for that kind of performance and just the the fun that is to be had uh, with thinking about how those transitions are made and sometimes perhaps missed. I might try to look a little harder for some examples of some big Hong Kong actors who really never quite made it here, although they sort of put out some big efforts to do so no, nothing really comes to mind immediately so there'd be more research from my, on my part there but that would be the the general uh just of the effort there in a in a larger kung fu course uh looking at star studies specifically here before we get into more action and uh just the mise en scene stuff or talking about the various theoretical approaches especially regarding race and gender which are of course the sort of major issues there and uh, the the huge specter of the icon of Bruce Lee uh, about whom I'm writing many many words um did that today and um, I'm sleepy so there you go uh dear listener your syllabus just got much it was Tomorrow Never Dies. It was Tomorrow Never Dies. And the plot of Tomorrow Never
2: Dies is bananas.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we it's, might have to cover this
2: movie. It's a James Bond movie. Of course. They're but all bananas. Jonathan Price is the villain, and he's a media mogul who wants to start World War III over Chinese and British disputed waters over Hong Kong. And so he's he's going to have the exclusive broadcasting rights to World War III is basically his plan. I think about Tomorrow Never
0: Dies <laughs> <laughs> closing line. All the time because
2: Denise Richard's character is named Christmas. Different movie. Is that? What's that one? That one is the one after this. This is the world is not enough. Yes. No, never mind. But I know exactly what you're talking about, Arthur.
0: As the world turns. Oh yes. Yes, okay. Let me tell you though. I thought Christmas only came once
1: a year. Yep. Oh my Yep. Yep. (laughs) I I don't get it. You can explain (laughs) it to me later. I think it's now time to get down to business. So did James. (laughs) Um, we're gonna talk about the replacement killers now. Go. Uh,
2: so you've already <laughs> you you say that as if we haven't already done some talking about it, and I think we've already kind of explored some of the interesting, you know, places that it holds in, in moviedom, right? Some of them. So we'll see you next week. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think this, this. What's the big E on the eye chart? Yet? I think the big E on the eye chart is Chow Yun Fat. It is his, his first U.S. film. It is part of this larger wave of. You know, the Hong Kong handover is about to happen within the next five years in 90s well, I think ha- Rush Hour ha- is in 98 it already as happened. well, too. It's 97. Is it 97? Oh, mm-hmm. shit. You're yeah. right. I was thinking it was like 2000 for some reason. You're right. Okay. So there you go. There's this interesting period in the mid to late 90s where you have a lot of mainland China and Hong Kong action stars coming to work in the States. You already mentioned Jet Li and Jackie Chan, Michelle Yeoh, Chai Fat. Again, mainland versus HK cinema. That's a whole conversation we don't have mm-hmm. time to get into. But you have actors who are working in one or both of these industries coming to the U.S. Or, you know, in the case of Michelle Yeoh, U.S.-U.K. production. Mm-hmm. In either case, it's really interesting. And I don't know if you can say anything larger about the Hong Kong handover. I don't think so. <laughs> but it is interesting that action cinema, like, is kind of entering this this sort of uh, pan-Pacific period right here in the mid to late 90s.
0: Well, it's it's a way in which it's doing the thing Hollywood has always done in which it looks at art cinema or global cinema and picks up little things that are unique or distinct and pulls that into the blob that is the Hollywood machine. And so I think looking into uh, Asian cinema and, and especially in the martial arts films and what they're doing over there, you know, we we had our fair share of them. You know, we had Steven Seagal. We had Chuck Norris. We had. Uh, the imported Jean-Claude Van Damme, right? And so we had martial arts, but it wasn't really anything kind of compared to what, you know, the Woosha stuff looked like yeah. and what Jackie was doing. And there was something just very dynamic and distinct about that style and that, that, that look. And so I think bringing that in, and I mean, really on the, you know, cusp of the Crouching Tiger becomes a huge hit right around, what, 99? Is that? 2000. 2000, so I mean, yeah. it's kind of riding that same wave uh, to really bring that mainstream American success.
1: Well, that's a real shift there that happens as well, because there's this indie sensibility with that particular film yeah. being this sort of artsy that, that opens up the door for uh, Zhang Yimou and yeah. House of Flying Daggers, Hero, which has already been out and sort of re- redistributed mm-hmm. at that point. And the, that's that sort of moment in which uh, Asian storytelling methods are moving more wholesale rather than yeah. sort of being adapted to American forms. But
0: there's, a, I think, a way in which, you know, those few years mm-hmm. that we've we've kind of acclimated the American audience to a kind of different style of cinema
2: and action. Yeah. Oh, and especially this, which is, like, so different from, say, Wuxia, right? The, mm. the heroic bloodshed, the, yeah. the the guns akimbo, sliding down railings type shit that you get in hard-boiled is, is so indebted to, like, American... You know, action films and ultraviolence, and, and, and yeah, and, yeah. And, and yes, Peck and paw and you know, all those guys in the sixties. But right, it's like so much its own thing entirely, and and so much of this movie, like the sliding across the the ground on the the mechanics bench, that's that's Hong Kong cinema. Yeah, I mean this this movie is doing stuff that just American movies weren't really doing. Yet. Yeah, this, as far as like. So it's heightened a bit. It's a little more artistic yeah. in delivery. It's gunfights with sort of the ethos of it's gun martial Kimbo. arts. Yeah, exactly. It's guns akimbo. It's, it's gunfu. It, it is sort of what we will get the kind of the synthesis of in John Wick about 20 years prior. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it is really interesting in that regard. Um, because I, I'm trying to think of another movie that, I mean, I guess unless you're looking at face-off which is a john woo film i can't really think of another american movie in the 90s where somebody's diving through the air firing multiple <laughs> firing multiple guns at once uh which you get in this you get in face-off and you don't really get again until the matrix yeah i mean that's the thing cited by nick frost
0: in hot fuzz yeah. right and then, yeah i don't know that that's i mean is that a, is it, i
2: mean maybe in bad
0: boys mm,
2: there might be some of that in bad boys too yeah but i mean bad boys 2 is yeah, this right I exactly mean, i'm not sure about bad boys one bad
0: boys one is 90s
2: four or oh, five it earlier? it's four or five i think Oof. but i i don't think that there's any yeah i don't think there's any diving through the air i think that the sort of the kind of the hallmarks of hong kong gun cinema like aren't there yet until we get again john Wu's work and yeah. then this I, I just think it is really interesting how it sort of changes what what american action films are looking like uh, and, and you know and dustin has talked about this a lot in his his both on this show and in his writing that he's doing for his, his uh, doctoral work i mean the the sort of the adoption of asian action cinema by american action cinema is mm-hmm. is a really interesting trend that
1: lasts i mean is ongoing
2: I guess yeah. you could say.
1: Uh, I can quote Vivian Lee one of the premier scholars on transnational globalization of cinema from Asia. I was I happened to have my computer with me today and nice. uh, a, sp- a Spotlight search uh provided me with this. East Asian cinemas mut- uh, East Asian cinemas are um Rather than a designated hom- homogenous, freestanding regional cinema, this understanding of East- Asian cinemas refers to a mutating network of film practices at the intra- and inter-regional levels. It also means that the cinemascape of East Asia is engaged in the geopolitics and the conflicting national discourses that make territorial and ide- ideological claims on the region. What she's saying here is that there's this interesting flow in which East Asian sim- cinema itself is always this sort of mutating, combining... Um, Process itself, and then that mutated, mutating process, um, mutatis mutandis, comes across to the United States mm-hmm. and it continues to do that same kind of mutating there. Mm. And uh, I think that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, and uh, just the ways in which this cinema um, is itself not stable. It, it's not we're shifting. talking about
2: multiple national right, cinemas right, right, right yeah and you know, it, korean cinema japanese cinema chinese cinema hong kong cinema
1: right uh, and if you go to a hong kong movie you'll see all of those cinemas in an individual film originating in any of those individual regions mm-hmm. and that's what is uh i think what we find so interesting in america is the way in which when we see these films now how they begin to sand their own edges off and how they begin to emphasize certain pieces from certain of those regions and and again playing mix and match Making the Mr. Potato Head of the movie Even more uh, Strangely Frankensteinian But also weirdly it works uh, When it happens you Go Again going both ways You see these actors also going to Hong Kong And making great films as sure. well So anyway um, Fascinating stuff Read Vivian Lee Read Jeannie Marchetti um, If you're interested in more of that stuff uh, Dear listener On uh, transnational globalization <sighs> Nerded out Alright um, Thank you for that
2: I mean that's what you're here for uh, <laughs> it's,
1: it's the only reason why I came
2: well, uh, you know, while you're on that t- bent, though, we talked a little bit about uh, when we did Breathless last month, we talked about sort of this idea of the guy, the girl and the gun, which is a, another mm-hmm. sort of transnational mm-hmm. film idea, right? It is sort of uh, ephemeral. I don't know if that's the right word, but, uh, you know, it's sort of a concept that crosses national mm-hmm. uh, divides, right? It is such a base idea for a movie, and yet so many movies so effectively traffic in that idea.
1: And what's weird about the flow in which it works is we think about it in terms of genre, because genre generally speaking, we think about it in national terms, right? So an American action film mm-hmm. has a certain set of conventions and tropes and ideological stances that it might make, or an American horror film, as opposed to a German horror film, as opposed to a French horror film, or a Norwegian horror film, or in this case a Hong Kong action horror film. And so there's, a, there's this interesting way in which these movies will be both of their you know their their time and place where they sort of originate as a genre. This is the heroic bloodshed, an mm-hmm. originating genre that comes out of Hong Kong cinema, mm-hmm. Taiwanese cinema to a lesser extent. But Hong Kong and Taiwan are pretty closely linked, and yeah, there's actually three national. Yeah, we did totally yeah. forgot to think about forget to talk about Hong Kong. It's, yeah, it, Chinese cinema
2: it contains multitudes. It does. <laughs> it, it
1: is. It's, it's a weird, gnarly thing to sort of wrap your mind around, but these various versions of it, they themselves, when they mutate, then it becomes the sort of, what is this trope of the lone killer who's got it? you know, we're going to have these gun caught up, you know, <laughs> what did you say? Pistols akimbo mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Those things will translate over and then the Germans will take at it. And it doesn't ever become fully German. This movie doesn't really feel like fully an American action film. No, It feels like an action film that is much inspired by, and that's what we talk about, this transnational sort of experience Mm -hmm. of this movie. It's not, it's definitely made in America, it's definitely got an American production team behind it, it's definitely got American money behind it, but there's a way in which it becomes a different set of comments on, well, the difficulty of migration, immigration, and uh, acquiring a visa, the difficulties of various um, economic status of immigrants within a nation, uh, the diaspora of China becomes the question it becomes in a sense more political in a in a different in a, in, a, in a global kind of sense rather than political in a local kind of sense i don't watch this movie and i think about police violence in america i don't watch this movie and i think about uh, various economic policies of say the the hong kong to china transfer or the the questions of uh, the sort of uh laissez faire capitalism in the united states which you might find in a Rambo movie, or in something, you know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be the interests themselves go global rather than local. And uh, this movie, to whatever extent it meditates on any of these things, it, it tends to meditate on things that are more on a global sort of scale rather than on just the simple individual na- national scale that you might find in a Hong Kong action movie hmm. or an American action film. Does that make sense? I get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean the the
2: internationalness of the cast like by necessity like forces some of these considerations mm-hmm. and I, yeah that is sort of an interesting thing going on in the movie i, I mean again passport forging is something that comes up in movies a lot but is not always like such a key plot point as it is in this right uh, and again like the the forger becoming wrapped up in the the events of the movie is not it's usually a, a tertiary character at best so like i don't know the idea of like just how valuable national documents are is is something i'm always interested in because it is such a i don't kind of mundane idea sort of a a mundane you know just feature of of the interconnected world but for it to like take such real estate in a movie's plot i think again while it's a silly action movie does you know take seriously the Mm -hmm. concerns of like international migration
1: right Uh, i want to think a bit a little bit about uh star personas because Chow Yun-fat really is playing a little against type here. Yeah, he's
2: got a whole different deal in, in Chinese cinema. Mm-hmm. He's he's much more affable, usually. Mm-hmm. All, yeah.
1: I mean, just noble and mm-hmm. good. I mean, in, in generally ways without any sort of blemishes at all. Mm-hmm. And so this is a slightly blemished kind of role for him. Maris Ravino, on the other hand, I don't know. I was thinking a little bit about her um, persona, but I also want to touch on Michael Rooker. And really think about what where Rooker had already done Henry yeah. at this point, yeah. Um, and I would assume that he had only done films of its ilk at the time. And it it, it seems to me that one of the challenges that the film has, other than its villains, uh, which it casts perfectly, it seems, mm-hmm. um, that with that the familiar faces of the villains. Not all the villains have familiar faces, but those that do, Danny Trejo. This is what he does. Like I expect this. From Danny Trejo, you know, so yeah. there's there's no real challenge
2: he, there. He's on his way to becoming a household name already in the late '90s. I think yeah. he's already showed up in all of these uh, Robert Rodriguez movies that were all hits. You know, he's he's working with a lot of. Um, he's an Anaconda in a very memorable opening scene, like. He's starting to become like the Trejo we all know and love is sort right. of the, a, a go-to household name.
1: And, and Rooker just seems to be again in that sense miscast in the same way Chauvin well, I mean, or there needs to be written differently. I, I'm not sure. I, I don't
0: Rook, I mean Rooker's a heavy character actor I'm for with you, 20 years. I yeah. mean nobody knows Michael Rooker until Guardians. Yeah. I mean uh, and that's Walking Dead
2: maybe yeah Walking okay, Dead yeah, sure yeah, yeah. and maybe Slither like that's that's, but even that's still that. a deep cut not for a big mainstream audience exactly that's yeah. like a film heads now but yeah
0: Walking Dead and. Uh, Guardians are the really things that cement him as somebody that's kind of a household name to yeah. an extent that more people are into fandoms so and more people mm-hmm. naturally have seen Walking Dead. I mean, huge success. And...
1: But he was in JFK, and he was a pretty lousy character in that as well. Yeah, but, but I'm just... Stone. Uh, he's just that guy. He's a, yeah, he's he's a, a that a, guy, yeah. totally.
2: I And I think even with Henry, which is such a tour de force performance, like that's not something most audiences have seen even in 98, right? That's a movie that doesn't like get its bones until... I mean, people are talking about. It, I'm sure in '98, but I, that's a movie I don't become aware of. And I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a younger film goer than you guys, yeah. but like the mid to late aughts, people start really talking about Henry. I, I mean, feel the like. heavy film buffs, the film critics would know him. Yeah, but
0: I mean, I'd seen him in Mallrats. You know, that's my but first I thing I think yeah, I see yeah, him. I, in. I wouldn't have known his name. I'm looking at name. your
2: list. I'd forgotten he's in Tombstone. Yeah, I mean, oh my God, but I remember right, now. Yeah. Mallrats, I think, is the first thing I'm I see. Trying, him I'm in. looking at this list. And he's an authority figure there, right? Isn't he like the mall security in, in Mall Rats? Or like the, or the he's, owner's owner. He's the owner because he's what's Her do, doodle's uh, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I mean I was into film in the late two thousands. I didn't see Slither until later. I didn't see Super. I mean he, I saw those shortly after. I they mean came I've out. seen movies with him, but I didn't know his name until probably guardians i was becoming
2: mm. aware of him sort of yeah. in that era you're talking about where he's working with james gunn yeah. doing, doing super and slither yeah but i yeah i mean that is sort of james gunn is a big part of how he becomes a household name yeah right that's I fair
1: mean, yeah but I, again i was just i was thinking when, when we are watching this here in 2022 sure. 23 and that cusp of the time gap that is recording with podcasts you're listening to this in 2023 though and that Association that we tend to make with that character, and again, I, I just I wonder about those sort of strange turns that are just barely off. I mean, you think of Denzel Washington with Anton Fuqua mm-hmm. doing the villain turn in mm. um, Train Day, Training Day. That's that's like a hard shift, and that's what's fun, right? It's like when sure. Robin Williams plays a serial killer. That's yeah. hard twist, but when it's just a little bit off twist. It seems like that's much more difficult to for for again for me as a viewer to to believe in. Interesting. When you've got these just slightly varied ones, and it may be a situation, especially with Rooker, where he's finding his place and finding his niche and his place where he's going to really find an avenue towards success. But again, it's just it's interesting to me that that's that's the the choice is being made because I tell you what, Denzel makes consistent choices. Yeah. Until he absolutely breaks it.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, he does. He got Game in ninety eight, and he's not really.
1: He's a very complicated Clint. character in that, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a dramatic but, role, though. Yeah, that's yeah. that. I mean, then I mean, that's not genre fiction. So sure, this is, it's and his
2: work with Spike is always yeah. like "Mob Blues" is also kind of is wait, that's is that the right one? Is that the jazz movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, know yeah. he's also supposed to be a little bit complicated. I haven't seen that one, but I'm I'm familiar with his character being kind of messy in there.
0: I think the interesting point though is talking, especially with Chow Yun Fat, is. As far as star persona, this is our introduction to American. Right. So yeah. this is the only version America knows of yun Fat. Yeah, because they
1: really don't get the Crouching Tiger is what two years away now. Yeah, still. yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: and there's a lot of bulletproof. Check months out months. this international star. I don't know if you guys watched any of the original trailers for mm-hmm. this, but they're like coming to America. It's it's the guy. It's it's kind of a fun like way that they're selling the. Well, really. that whole next Bruce Lee thing that they do. Yeah, know. they don't quite like put it in those like concrete of terms but you're right there's a little bit of that uh mm-hmm. definitely but yeah some of the some of the trailers for this i think are kind of interesting just like how yeah. they're they're like you guys should already know who this is like real action junkies know what's up that is sort of like the to- the tone of the trailer uh for this
1: yeah and i'm just i'm just thinking about that in terms of like agent work and uh, you know script selection and and project you know approval and it just it, it, it's fascinating to sort of think about what could have been and maybe what might be different or better opportunities. I mean, I'd love to see a Chow Yun-Fat play just a straight villain or straight uh, help. Be be Kiefer, uh not the ones Christian Slater's best friend in Broken Arrow, you know, something yeah. like that. Like, like, like those, buddy friend guy. Yeah, yeah. Those are opportunities. I,
0: I mean, the whole thing about this, I mean, even Mira Servino, it's interesting. Just looking at it now is like, Until Romy and Michelle, she was kind of an indie darling actress. I mean, she'd already won an Oscar.
2: Yeah, Mighty Mm -hmm. Aphrodite. Yeah. I mean, and and that's a a big curse, really, for a lot of like young actors. The ingenue Oscar is like uh, Albatross for some people's careers.
0: But that's really interesting because I mean, it's not until 97 where she does start doing some bigger stuff. So there's not like a known quantity in this cast or behind the, which probably leads to its part of its commercial failure mm, mm-hmm. i would think you know it's i think hard to sell a movie especially in the late 90s when we still had Clooney and denzel and keanu and people are still opening Nicholas movies cage and yeah. julia roberts and yeah yeah yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. but she appears to keep working i'm looking at the list there I'm, she's still working I mean, she's yeah she's around you know she shows up in stuff making a movie or two a year i mean that's a paycheck yeah
2: but yeah it is sort of uh I th- yeah, I think the thing was always
0: the 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 roles she needed to stay at the f- headlines would have been,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, maybe sabotage. This is this is during her it girl period, and yeah, it is sort of again goes under the radar. Which yeah. is, it's a fun performance, you know. She gets cool lines like uh, I can't remember a bad place a cop ever helped me out of. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just cool. Mm-hmm. That's, she she just gets to be street smart and tough. It's it's very different from uh, uh, Romy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I really fun. like her here, though. I do yeah, too. I do too. I think she's got charisma she's, for days. I think the movie's a little leery more than once.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's definitely eye-ting well, I mean, her. She's she's got her shirt and button the whole movie, I, right? Yeah, you know, more or less. Yeah, yeah. it's it is mm-hmm. choices Brazier exposed. Yeah, choices are being Late made. Nineties
0: music, music video aesthetic on on
2: lock. Yeah, yeah, big for time, sure. big time. Yeah, both in the costuming and in the shot choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. It lingers. Um, Mm -hmm. is there anything to be said about not killing kids? You know, I don't know. It's it's pretty basic stuff. There's I don't know if there's any there. There it is. Sort of. I don't remember the plot of.
1: It's a good call not to kill a kid. Sure,
2: (laughs) it happens rarely. Yeah. And it's usually
0: very effective when it does. Yeah. So I think it's one of those cards you play real close to the chest unless you really want to generate an impact. Yeah.
1: Well face off is the same kind of situation, right? Where it's an accidental killing of the kid. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm.
0: But I think if I mean the one that always sticks me is thirty days of night. Oh god, yeah, I forgot to have a big there. big moment like that. Uh I was just gonna say something else. What was I gonna say? Killing kids. Movies don't, don't do it kill very often. Kids. Don't,
1: correct. <laughs> well, what's our fi- takeaways Arthur here? is <laughs> finding his moral compass. I'm <laughs> so glad. <laughs>
0: the gang finds their moral compass.
1: <laughs> we draw say? the line
0: at child murder. That's good. Pretty oh, Kruger bad. I, yeah, I guess so. I completely lost the train of thought. Oh, well.
2: That's all right. Uh, it, it is... I don't know. There's not a there there. I'm trying to remember the plot of the killer because it feels like... I know we talked about the killer John Woo's movie mm-hmm. with yun fat a million years ago. Uh I can't remember yeah. the plot of it, but I feel like it's pretty damn close to this movie, right? Isn't it about an assassin who like finds Does an a hard... assassin? Yeah, decides to not do a kill. That's what it's about, it isn't feels it? Feels right, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember if it's about a kid or not, but it is just, I don't know, the, the I don't I don't kill women and children. Don't ask me to do it. If you do, now you're my enemy. That's some pretty classic like movie hitman mm-hmm. stuff and I I don't know. It's kind of boring. I, I want there to be, I want to get excited by that. I love the, the acting. I love Channing and fat's performance in the moment where he's like, just like the, the up on him taking his sunglasses off. And he's just like, he can't do it. And it's not really telling you like what he can't do or why he can't do it. Like you said, it, mm-hmm. it plays the reveal of who his actual target was pretty close to the chest. But I think he's really compelling in that scene. And, while it works more or less as a character motivation, I think having Rooker be an actual character and giving him some stuff to do, like, while I think it's all compelling enough, it is sort of really basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And it does it is one of the aspects of the film that makes you want for there to be more, as we've talked about. I yeah. think the other the thing I lost earlier that the the
0: thread I lost was uh we don't see a lot of violence in cinemas anymore. Uh, we, we get a we get a shootout here in a theater, mm-hmm. but that's kind of reached yeah. bomb on a plane levels of stay away from it mm-hmm. movies. Time. But it, it feels like one of those meta things that pops up. you like, maybe pay attention to the, the the shootout in a movie theater. You know, is that the correlation of violence in movies? You know, that kind of discussion that takes place. I don't know if there's anything here with that. But there's last I thought action about hero it because you just don't 90s. see it a lot anymore.
2: Well, I mean, there was the mm-hmm. big the recutting of that gangster movie. gangster squad gangster squad thank
0: mm-hmm. you couldn't
1: remember the name of the At, film after the um yeah
2: bastards
0: yeah. is probably the last time it's effectively mm-hmm. done yeah and then we get the aurora in. shooting yeah. yeah which yeah after 2012 strange, guns and
2: movie theaters are not a thing on screen yeah yeah big time you're you're right that this is sort of a a hallmark of a bygone era yeah for sure uh it, it was jarring uh, to watch definitely I I, I, I remember I, thinking yeah you're not making this today just, yeah mm-hmm. I did too I I'm glad you brought it up Arthur because mm-hmm. I thought about it when I watched the movie and I'd kind of forgotten about it mm-hmm. um that's also again one of the more compelling action scenes I think that's I really think so. well shot I think you know the bad guys the, the the two scariest villains in the film show up right the titular replacement killers they get to do bad guy stuff there and you know, very narrowly are defeated. Miras Ravinos is written
1: as a very bad shot throughout all this as well, which is a little frustrating. Well, she's a hacker, not a shooter.
2: Yeah, but I agree. It would be nice to see her. <laughs> she's conveniently bad. Yeah. Darn it, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hacker, not a shooter. Not, I'm a hacker, not a sharpshooter. Yeah, that's shit.
0: Oh, man. I really like her setup. I don't know. I really like that character a lot. I she's do too. fun. I like her little office at the beginning. Yeah. Like, that's just a fun. Never heard of her. yeah Jeep spot kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. Fun.
1: The sort of the, the... I, I want to see the movie she's working on. She's got all that film hanging up in her uh, <laughs> like little dark room. I want to I want to know what experimental or whatever kind of movie she's making. She's it's working right. on 8mm. It's big. It's big. It's 35mm <laughs> uh stuff that's hanging there. It's yeah. I think those are for passports. Uh, no, surely not. I, I think it's I think it's just for like, yeah. like 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 streams. No, that would be like it would be, be, be thousands of pictures.
2: Look, I don't know what to tell you, Dustin. I, I, I think they probably have you never with, been to an illegal <laughs> passport printer's house. I, I mean, I, not in a few I years. Love <laughs> head, I love your head cannon that uh, I forget the character she's name. She's working on a student film. Yeah, I love the idea. I love the idea. She's got an experimental art piece. She's, she's working got a on deadline.
1: Yeah, which is yeah, that's her, that's her way she's out. She's got to right? be back
2: at the lab at UCLA in two days with this. Yeah, she's got cameras on loan. She's <laughs> got to get them checked back in. No, but yeah, she's she is financing her, her burgeoning film career with the the passports. That's what I Which
0: think. Which is a documentary about international travel and how hard it is for immigration.
1: <laughs> That's right. Oh man, yeah, it's like this <laughs> real like expose piece.
0: <laughs> well, I think the 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 train's off the rails. I,
1: well, and I, I do hear it coming into the station. <laughs> well, now. let's render a verdict there here at the station. What shall we say? Shell for trash with the replacement killers. Go Dalton. Go.
2: Uh, you're fine to skip this one. Yeah, it's cool. I, you know, it's, it's available. Oh no, we had to buy this one. I forgot. Mm -hmm. You know, if it comes up on streaming, check it out. You know, it's not a bad time. It's good Saturday afternoon, but you've seen this movie before uh, a million times and done way better. You're absolutely right. But you know, not a lot of Chow Yun-Fat working in the States movies. Uh, It's pretty much this bulletproof Monk. Uh, Which is great. Yeah, I, I think Bulletproof Monk is worse than I this. almost picked it, but I want to tell you on VHS. I I don't know. I, I do kind of like things about that movie. I remember really, it really appealing to me. Anyway, wh- that movie exists and is weirder than this, probably. Which is always better. This might be better, but that movie's weirder, and that is worthwhile. So yeah, this is fun, but it's definitely not shelfable. It's, it's going very gently in the
1: trash. Very good, very good. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm just going to go ahead and uh, wrap it in a little towel and throw it in the trash can. I, I, I don't know that there's much saving it from that, that fate.
1: That's fair, that's fair. Um, Bulletproof Monk is already on my shelf, therefore this goes in the trash. <laughs> so that's it for so that. real Sophie's
0: choice there. And huh? Not really.
1: (laughs) Um, I I love you Mira Uh, I'll I'll catch you in Mimic later Because I'm a del Toro completionist Mm -hmm. But um, there you go Uh, For all of that dear listener That's the end of our thoughts on this film But Dalton will tell you how you can tell us your thoughts
2: That's right If you were one of the 19 million dollars worth of people (laughs) Who saw The Replacement Killers in theaters You can send us your thoughts Or seen it since Or Or 19 million dollars yeah. Or or if you have $19 million. Yeah. Any of those criteria are met. Feel free to email us good trash genre cast at gmail.com. That's good trash genre cast at gmail.com for your long form feedback. You can also find us on Twitter at good trash media. If you want to see what we're up to do uh, up to social media wise, uh, you can find links to this show other shows in our orbit uh just interesting things we've stories and uh articles we find uh, on the web we're we try to be an active part of film twitter uh last but certainly not least if you want to help us keep the lights on you can go to patreon.com forward slash gtm find out uh what's in it for you all kinds of cool bonuses over there we've got a gigantic back catalog of bonus episodes uh and bonus content uh we also have uh you know a handy little service, where you can fill out a survey and each quarter we'll send you a movie. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Patreon.com forward slash GTM to find out more about supporting the show and uh, and what's in it for you. Arthur, this secondary marathon continues next week. Uh, what do you have lined up for us in our Asian American Good Trash Crime Movies? Could we call it East Goes West Crime Wave
1: Marathon? Okay. I like it, yeah. Can we do that? The East Goes West Crime Wave Marathon. Yeah, I can say that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, next week, we're going to continue our East Goes West Crime Wave Marathon (laughs) with the singular Jet Lee. I knew it. And what could be better than a single Jet Lee? Could it be two Jets Lee? Could it be three Jets Lee? Yes. Regardless, next week, we find out when we go one on
2: one with the one. That's so great. You didn't think that the crimes we had would include
1: crimes against the multiverse, did you? <laughs> you had
2: no idea. I thought
1: it, w- I thought it would be unleashed. <laughs> one of the greatest needle drops in all of cinema is when the bodies hit the floor in this film. It is one of my favorite Such moments a stupid It's stupid it's, it, it, song. But it works. Oh, it's <laughs> it's man. so
2: stupid. This movie's dumb as hell. I, I haven't seen it in a million years. I'm
1: so excited to revisit I've it. I've watched it very recently. Uh, I'm very excited. <laughs> you keep watching. We'll keep talking.